Years ago, I had a conversation with my grandfather. I asked him what it was like to, to grow old, and he was very honest with me. He said, the most, the most difficult part of growing old is that the person you see in the mirror doesn't match how you feel on the inside. And he shared with me that he, that he still feels like he's 20-something year, years old, and then he looks in the mirror and he sees someone who's 80, 90, 100 years old. And that disconnect, he said, is difficult. And I imagine it would be. I'm starting to feel a little bit of that myself at the ripe old age of 43. But then my grandfather leaned over to me and he said something else. He said, but you know what the most difficult part is? And I said, what? And he said, I have to pee all the time. <laughs> like, okay, thanks for the honesty, Grandpa. Jerry Seinfeld talks about the advantages of growing old. And he says that one of the, the big advantages of getting older is that you find a, a new freedom to say no to things that you don't want to do. But when you're 75 years old, no one gets offended when you say no. Do you want to have lunch today? No. No problem. Do you want to go hang out with this person? No, I don't want to do that. Okay, no problem. And then as you get even older, you don't even have to use words. It's called the elderly wave. You might be familiar with it. You're, you're, you're 85, 90 years old, and somebody asks you, do you want to go visit Cousin Ricky? Do you remember Cousin Ricky? And all you get is this. That's all you got to do. There's a fresh freedom to say no to the things that you don't want to do. I've also gathered some memes that talk about old age, and I want to start this with a bit of a warning. We have been equal opportunity offenders throughout this series. We have shared memes that poke a little fun at each and every era, and please know that if you are in this kind of later stage of life, we love you, we respect you, and honor you. We just find a few things funny about you, okay? For example, take a look at this. This is the first meme. This might be my favorite. All it says is, woke up, thumbs up. <laughs> That's great. Now, now, now this, one, this, one's, this one's really good. Um, turning right in five miles, better signal now. <laughs> Grandma's not a great driver. And then there's this one. This is a great way to frame it. I don't call it getting old. I call it outliving the warranty. <laughs> so I bring all this up today because we are closing out a teaching series that we've been in for the last six weeks called eras, where we're looking at different stages and different seasons of life. And the big idea is this, that God is good and God is faithful in every era, in every season of life. God is always faithful. God is always good. And today we're talking about that final era, that last stage that, that we are calling the reflection era. It's that stage of life where you are past the striving era of building a career and the family era of raising kids. You're even past the era of retirement and you are well settled into the later years of life and you are, you are in the home stretch of life and you know it. And you're taking the time to reflect on the life that you've been given and share wisdom with the world around you. It's the reflection era. Now, you might think that it's a bit of a downer to be talking about the, the final years of life, but in fact, it's the opposite. The scriptures tell us that to be mindful of our mortality and to know where we sit in the story of our life, even when where we sit is very near the end, is a sign of wisdom. Time and again in the scriptures, we're told things like this. This comes from Psalm 39. It says, O Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. 
Living with an awareness of your mortality invites you to live with intentionality. It gives you the opportunity to understand that life is valuable, that life is fleeting. And since life is valuable and life is fleeting, you better spend whatever time you have, especially at the end, wisely. You could even say that to know you're near the end is a gift in and of itself. It really is a gift. And you see this whenever, whenever someone passes away who is, who is very young or, or someone dies very suddenly and the people around them don't get the chance to say goodbye or have the conversations they wanted to have and they grieve the fact that there are certain experiences they're never going to get to have with this person, certain conversations they were never able to enjoy. And yet if you are given the gift of living deeply, of living long, it is incumbent upon you, there is an invitation in front of you to learn what it means to finish well. And in fact, that's the conversation I want to have this morning. If you find yourself in the reflection era, if and when you find yourself, by the grace of God, in the reflection era, deep into this one life that you've been given, knowing that you are in the home stretch, what does it look like? What does it mean to finish well? That's our question today. What does it look like to finish well? And I've got three things to share with you. The first is this. I think it starts, finishing well begins by holding tight to, or rather you could say resting in the promises of God. Specifically, the promises that God makes to us for the later years of our life. And there are many promises that God makes to his people, and especially promises that he makes to us when we're in that home stretch, when we're in the reflection era, when we know we're nearing the end. Let me give you just two of them. One is from Isaiah chapter 46, and the other is from Psalm 73. Isaiah 46 says this, Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. Just look at all the promises in that one verse. Sustain you, made you, carry you, sustain you again, rescue you. And then Psalm 73, this is the psalmist speaking with a heart of faith, confident of how God will care for us in the latest of years. My flesh, and my, heart, my, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever, meaning I will have him in my life without end, even as my life starts to end. Are you hearing it? God is promising that as the years pile up, his grace will not fade. That as the years go on, his presence will still be prevalent. He will not abandon you. In fact, my theory is, and I'll touch at this at the very end of the message, my theory is, is that as we get even nearer to the end, the sense of God's presence becomes even stronger and overwhelming. Now, this is an important thing for us to rest in and hold on to when we're in the reflection era because very often, one of the fears that is expressed by those who are in this era or who are nearing it is this, will I be alone in the end? Will I be a burden to others in the end? Will I be by myself in the end? 
And while I don't know much about your circumstances and your relationship, what I can say, based on God's word, is this, is that the God of the universe, the one who made you and sent his son to live and die for you, the God of the universe has made over and over again a series of promises to you that when the end comes, he will be near. He will give you strength. He will give you peace. He will give you hope in the face of the worst of circumstances, even the ultimate of circumstances, death itself. He will be with you, and as the scriptures say, he will carry you through whatever you're facing in the end. Hold tight to that promise. We need that promise. Finishing well means resting in those truths of God's presence in this stage of life in particular. But I've got another one for you. Finishing well is about expressing gratitude. It is giving God praise for the goodness that he has shown to you throughout your entire life. You see, the truth is, if you're in the reflection era, if you're in the home stretch of human life, then, then you have a perspective about the story that God has written in your life and the goodness that he's shown to you and the mercy that he's given to you throughout the course of your life, you have a perspective that, that the rest of us simply don't have. And your perspective matters. A handful of years ago, my wife and I traveled to Russia and we went to the Hermitage Museum in St. Petersburg. And the Hermitage is one of the most incredible museums in the world. They have the largest collection of Rembrandt paintings. And the most famous of Rembrandt paintings in my book is called The Return of the Prodigal Son. And it just so happens that it is Rembrandt's largest painting. I was surprised at how big this painting was. And in order to take this painting in, you have to step back. You have to stand back as far as you can and, and take in the entire thing to see all of its beauty and to take in the entire story that this work of art is telling. And yet there were some people who refused to step back to take in the whole painting. They got up right next to it and took a picture. It didn't make any sense to me. Like, why are you so close to the painting? Stand back. Take it all in. Get the right perspective. Now, I share that with you because I think that's a great analogy for where you are in life, in your reflection era. You understand that the life that you've been given, that you've been allowed to live, is a work of, gar work of art brought together by God. You, you can see that. And by virtue of your years and your wisdom, you are standing back, so to speak, and you can see the hand of God over your life over the course of, of decades, generations even. You can see God's goodness. You have that perspective to take in the whole picture of what God has done in your life. And the rest of us, if you're 36 years old and you've, you've got three or four kids who are rambunctious, a career that's demanding, a marriage to maintain, you're living a beautiful story too. You've got a beautiful piece of art that God is crafting, but your nose is right next to it. And if you put your nose right next to a work of art, it doesn't make much sense at times because you can't take in the full picture. It can be hard to know how this connects to the whole. It can be hard to know that what you're staring at, what you're enjoying right now is in fact part of a masterpiece and is beautiful. But you are in your reflection era. You are far back. Far back enough to take in the whole picture and you can see the goodness of God. And so what, what is needed from you is, is for you to articulate your praise of God for his goodness. What is needed from you is for you to express your gratitude for the goodness of God throughout the course of your life. All my life you have been faithful and that's important in this era, not just because God deserves it. It's important not just because the people around you need to hear it. Like, we, we benefit from your perspective and understanding just how good and grace, gracious God is in every generation. But it's necessary because, 
because you need it too. You are blessed and benefited by the expression of gratitude and giving praise to God for his goodness throughout your entire life. Jesus, Jesus puts it like this. He, he says in the Gospels that the eye is the lamp of the body. It's a strange phrase, but here's what Jesus means. What you focus on fills you up. What you focus on fills you up. If you look at light things, bright things, good things, then inside of you will be light and bright. If you look at dark things, broken things, bad things, then the inside of you, he says, will be broken and dark and bad. What you focus on fills you. And I know that you have regret at this stage of life. I know that you have deep hurts and grief at the, at the stage of life and, and major wounds by this stage of life. And I don't want to downplay those things at all, but my question is, what do you want to be filled with in this home stretch of life? Do you want to be filled with gratitude? Would you like to be filled with a greater sense of peace? What do you want to be filled with? Then where will you put your eyes? The eyes are the lamp of the body. Where will your focus be? And if your focus in this home stretch is on the goodness of God over the course of your life, then my friend, my, my sneaking suspicion informed by the scriptures is that the inside of you will be filled with gratitude as well. Finishing well is about expressing and showing gratitude to the goodness of God through the perspective, the unique perspective that you have over your long life. But there's one more. It's not just about expressing gratitude and offering God praise. And it's, it's not just about finishing well in that sense, but it's also about finishing well and understanding that you you have fulfilled the greatest purpose of mankind. If someone were to ask you what your purpose is, how would you respond? What would you say? Uh, maybe you would say, well, my purpose has been to, to raise a, a faith-filled family, which is great. Or, or my purpose is to be a decent human being. There's a shortage of those these days. My purpose has been to be a good one. Or, or maybe it's been to, to do meaningful work in your life. Those are all good things. But there is, in fact, one shared great purpose for all of humanity. And Jesus himself speaks about it. John chapter 6, this is what Jesus says. Jesus is asked the question, what is the will of God? What does it mean to be about the work of God? What's the purpose of life is another way to phrase it. And Jesus says this, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. God's great purpose for your life is that you would come to know him and his love for you through the work of Jesus Christ, his son. That you might know his mercy and grace be folded into a family and have a life with him that does not end when your life ends. That is God's great purpose for you and for everyone else. And, and by virtue of the fact that, that you are here and, and you're, a, you're a baptized, faith-filled follower of Jesus, what that means is you have fulfilled the great purpose of human existence, which is to know the one who made you and to believe in the one whom he has sent. You, you know that purpose. You have fulfilled it. You've laid hold of it. And the reason that's important for you to hold on to and to celebrate is because Again, towards the end of life, a whole lot of regrets tend to bubble to the surface and a lot of questions come with it. And one of the questions is, have I made the most of this life that I've been given? 
Have I missed the point of this life that I've been given? Have I been faithful with the life that I've been given? And if you are here and you have faith in Jesus Christ, then what God the Father will say to you in the very end is, well done, good and faithful servant, because the point and purpose of life is to know my love for you, and you know it, you have it. Well done, good and faithful servant. And you should draw strength from that, derive great peace from that. You have fulfilled the great purpose of human existence. You have not missed the point. You, by God's grace, have hit the mark. Now, if in your later years you want to go on like a little side quest, here's what you need to do. Understand that there are people in your life who haven't yet discovered what the one great purpose of this life is. There are people that you care about, really important people who don't yet have what you have or know what you know. And you have an opportunity, an invitation in your reflection era to leverage the influence you have by virtue of being great grandpa, great grandma, or great uncle Ricky, whatever you are, to leverage whatever influence you have to make sure that the people around you understand what is most important to you and most meaningful and most important, what should be anyway, to them. What does it look like for you in this reflection era as you make the final turn to make it clear to those who matter what it is that matters most? What conversation needs to be had? What prayers need to be prayed? What truth needs to be told? Now, another thing we have to wrestle with here in this conversation is what the rest of us who are not yet in this era owe to those who are. And and it comes down to one word that you hear over and over again in the scriptures, and that one word is honor. The way in which we show God's grace and his goodness to those who are in the reflection era, the later stages and moments of life, the way we show God's grace and God's goodness to them is by offering honor to them. And the Bible goes out of its way to tell us that this is not only important, but but it is connected to our honor and worship and praise of God himself. Don't believe me? Look at Leviticus chapter 19, verse 32. Stand up in the presence of the aged. Show respect for the elderly. Now listen to this. And, and the implication is, in doing so, revere your God. I am the Lord. So the scripture ties respect for those who are in the reflection era to respect and honor for God. Now, honor can be expressed in a number of ways, but I think for those who are in this era, it comes down to at least two things. It comes down to listening to them and learning from them. If you are blessed to have someone in your life who is in the later stages of life and you have a relationship with them and can dialogue with them and can connect with them in any capacity, then, 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 then it is incumbent upon you to honor them by, being, by getting close to them and being curious with them. To listen to what you can listen to and learn what you can learn and in doing so, honor them by giving a gift to them. And that gift is letting them know that the lessons they have learned and the hardships they've endured and the character and the, and the virtues that they, have, that they have earned throughout their life are also blessing you in your life. And that who they are will continue on in the eras that remain for you. 
And when you give them that gift of knowing that their life doesn't stop with them, but the person that they are and the lessons that they've learned and the gifts that they've found and discovered that they carry on with you, you honor them and you bless them in ways in which it's, it's, it's impossible for me to describe. The best analogy that I can find is this. It's like, it's like the light from a star. You and I know enough science to know that um, that. The light that you see in the night sky, when you leave Houston, you can't see it in Houston, but when you, when you go out to the country, when you're out in like Wimberley, right, and you, and you can see the night sky, the light that you see from the stars is eras old. The light that reaches us started long before us. And in fact, in many cases, the light that is reaching us is from a star whose own life has drawn, has drawn dim. And yet it is still shining in our darkness. When you honor someone who is in the late stages of their life by learning lessons from them and listening to them, you're giving them the gift of of, of knowing that their life is like one of these stars, that even after their life grows dim, the light will continue to shine and light up our world. What an honor. What a gift. Even after you're gone, your light shines with me. What an honor. What a gift. Give that gift. Give that gift. Offer honor. Now, I've I've said a lot of things and our our time is drawing to a close, but I want to leave with with one last promise to those who are in the reflection era, who know that they're in the home stretch. And and I know at at risk of of sounding like a bit of a downer or getting kind of depressing, I, I know that I have to address the reality of death itself. That unless Jesus comes back like sometime in the next 15 minutes, (laughs) that it's incredibly likely that each one of us will experience death before we go to rest with him. And one of the questions I get as a pastor is, Pastor Matt, what will it be like when I die? What, what, what will happen when I die? What will it feel like when I die? Because there's a lot of fear around it, understandably. And, and my answer to that question, when I'm at someone's bedside or I'm in the hospice with someone and, and they ask that question, what's it going to be like when the moment comes for me to pass? My honest answer is, I, I don't know. I, I have no personal experience with myself dying. I don't know. But, but I do know of several promises that I hold to to give me peace as that era and that moment comes closer for me and, and, and I offer them to you. And one of them is, is Psalm 116, verse 15. Psalm 116, verse 15. And it says this, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Now, each one of those words matters. What what is something that's precious? Something that's precious is something that is valuable yet vulnerable. And what do we do with precious things like a newborn baby or a family heirloom? What do we do with those valuable but vulnerable things? We keep our eyes on them. They're never out of our sight, really. We hold those things carefully in our hands. We wrap our arms around them if necessary. We protect them. We hold them. 
We cherish them. That's what we do with precious things. And, and God is promising through his word that, that if you are one of his saints, that the moment of your passing is precious to him. Now, now you may be thinking, well, I'm not, I'm not a saint. I'm no Mother Teresa. And trust me, we know. Um, but that's not what makes a saint. What makes a saint is not the goodness that you do, but the goodness of God that is gifted to you. And God has gifted you by virtue of faith in his son, Jesus Christ. He has gifted to you all the holiness you need to be called a holy one of God. And so all those who belong to Jesus are sainted. We are saints. We are holy ones. So if you belong to Jesus, congratulations, you're a saint. You're a saint. Now, the promise is that when one of his saints, when one of us dies, that moment is precious. What does that mean? His eyes are on us. We are, we are in his hands. What do you do with something precious? We are, we are wrapped up in his arms. Now, I don't know from a human perspective what that feels like. I haven't been dead yet. I'll tell you afterward. <laughs> but I know what it is from God's perspective. It is precious. And if that's true, then when that moment comes for you, when that moment comes for me, I, th I, think, I think we're going to be fine. I, th I think we're going to be more than fine. Amen. And when that moment comes, not only will we be fine, but we will be ushered from this era into the next one. And my friends, that era does not end. Amen. Amen.